welcome in to the penultimate episode before the start of the IndyCar season for 2022. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you on another edition of New Track Record. Hello, Justin. Hello, Caleb. Yeah, penultimate is one of those words that I'm pretty sure I know what it means, but I'm not 100% sure, so I avoid using it in conversation. But you, my friend, know exactly what it means. Yes, we have one more episode before the start of the season, so this is the penultimate episode. Yes. Because next week would be the ultimate episode. I follow. will be our ultimate 2022 NTT IndyCar Series season preview. Can't wait. Yeah, predictions that are sure to fail coming to you next week. But this week, (laughs) we have a lot to talk about regarding the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500 entry list for that. Also, we will be discussing... Toyota and the rumors around them as the potential third OEM and uh, interesting article by Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com saying it's Toyota, but it's not Toyota, if that makes any sense. Plus, more news on streaming and a streaming series for IndyCar and other outlets getting streaming series going and what that means. All of that and more this week. We start, though, with the entry list for the Indianapolis 500. And finally, got official confirmation, not that this was a surprise by any means, but Marco Andretti confirmed with Andretti Autosports driving the number 98 Honda entry. Andretti heard of Autosport with Marco Andretti and Curb Agajanian, one of my favorite entry names in all of the field. Just a, a real mouthful, but he is confirmed to run the 8500th Andretti entry. They do not plan on running a sixth. But we finally got confirmation with Marco, and now we are at 32 entries. Uh, still awaiting official confirmation on the oval driver for the number 11 car with Foyt, which we presume will be J.R. Hildebrand. But it's uh, it's mid-February, Justin, and we already almost have a field of 33. I think you take a step back on, you know, okay, will we even have bumping this year? The fact that we're already at 32, and it's... Mid-February, I think, is a huge step up from what we've experienced in years past. Absolutely. And I feel like we're in a position where we're not really going to add too many more. I mean, per Marshall Pruitt's article at Racer.com, a lot of teams being stingy with their spare chassis and really keeping their assets really close and not entertaining any loaner deals or, hey, here, partner with an extra chassis type thing. So... While there, and this is something that we've really talked about too, Caleb, is I think there's a fair amount of interest for the Indianapolis 500. It's all about getting the engine lease, and now it's really about getting a chassis as well. So, you know, at this point, it sounds like we may not even get to that max 36 that we throw around when we factor in the engine deals. Yeah, 36 seems like a pipe dream. It feels like 35 is the peak. And maybe reality is 34, which is kind of a shame, right? You don't want to send just one car home. Yeah, and I think if you're there, you know, hopefully they would let everybody start if it's 34. But 35 and up, we we bump. But there's a lot of interesting, you know, storylines despite us mostly being locked in to the 500. I could I could see, you know, based on what happens the first couple races, if a, a team entertains loaning out a chassis here or there who knows yeah and and you know we go through some of the scenarios this all starts with Pareto autosport right we expect them to be in the race it's a matter of getting the program together the crew is not the issue it seems to me that they're locked in with chevy for an engine lease it's a matter of getting a chassis uh the chassis that was loaned out to them from hunkos is back with hunkos hollinger for this year so that's not an option Pinsky ran four cars last season full-time you know could they have an extra car now they've diverted the crew to that porsche uh, lmdh program which they're testing so that seems to be kind of an issue but um i think we'll see pred on the grid because they have to find a way to get them on the grid it's just a matter of where will they get the chassis from i would hope that if anything team penske steps up because from what it sounds like they're the ones that really kind of pulled the rug out from under Pratt Autosport, at least the Penske Corporation, in terms of financing through the Race for Equality and Change Initiative. So I would hope 
that organization would step up and do the right thing, if anything else. So that's the latest with Peretta. Basically, like you said, Penske seems to be the the team that may have to step up and make it work. But again, we expect to see Peretta on the grid, right? And that would make 33. Yes. And then after that, it's a bunch of questions. Yeah. So you get into those question marks and Will Marotti, Marotti Autosport, Spirit of Speedway effort. We kind of laughed this off, at least I did, you know, a while back. But they seem to be meeting with people. Marshall Pruitt says them becoming a co-entrant with the Foyt team uh, would not require an extra Chevy lease or, or or place another car in the field. So that's an opportunity. Yeah, they would just partner with one of the existing three cars in the field. It would not be an added entry, from what I understand. Uh, also, according to Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis Star, uh, Marathi's raised $79,000 as of this story written earlier uh, this week on IndyStar.com. That's not me, enough la- money. Late last week. It's <laughs> not enough money. No, not not enough, but they also had sponsor meetings that I think we talked about on last week's episode. So they're trying to make something happen, and you know, I, I guess I give this one, what, 50-50? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair, 50-50. So, uh, again, then partnering with Foyt seems to be the option. Then you get to uh, Vassar Sullivan, and, you know, honestly, I don't think there'll be an IndyCar, at least in the Indy 500 this year. I, I think I'd be surprised simply because they're not partnering with Dale Coin Racing. I would agree. Um, I, I think they would like to do it, but with a partnership of some sort, and then once again it comes back to... Not a lot of teams are really looking for partners right now to race an extra car. I, I feel like this is the this is the negative that you get from more full time cars. Uh, is teams not as willing to add extra cars for May only? And you, and you have to consider, you know, some of these teams that have added cars, full time cars had one, maybe even two, sometimes part time cars just for May. So, you know. We get excited about the increased grids across the schedule, but you know, part of it is affecting the field for the 500. And then you get to Top Gun Racing, and this is, I think, the most interesting scenario. So the report is that they don't actually own the chassis. It's owned by R.C. Enerson's uh, father, yeah. and they parted ways with, with Enerson. That's according to the Indy Star and Marshall Pro with the report that um, they don't own the chassis. It's it's owned by R.C. Enerson's uh, father. So that that is wild. But uh, team owner Bill Throckmorton says they have something big in the works for the 500. And Marshall even goes on to say, I have no doubt the Top Gun team will enter the Indy 500. What happens after that is unclear. And they've speaking, uh, spoken with drivers. Again, the, the chassis, the, the tub and spare belong to Neil and R.C. Enerson. Um, there are questions as to whether that would stay with the team. I, I don't know. Again, remember last year they said they had this game-changing sponsor. That yeah, never happened. It was like the Navy or something, yeah. you know. But it, but they did show up, right? I, I mean, they showed up. They tried to qualify. Yeah, and they didn't completely embarrass themselves. I thought it was respectable. But, you know, uh, we've already, you know, fool me once type thing with Top Gun. You mentioned it, you know, teasing something big last year that never materialized. I'll believe it when I see it this year yeah i i would agree i I think we've felt more confident of them until this news came out late last week um on top gun and and what they can do and then there's kind of the other wrench in all this and it's cusick motorsports who they have stefan wilson who ran with andretti last year we know he's not going to be back with andretti this year they're a potential honda entry I, I don't know where this goes. Uh, Marshall mentions that Catherine Legg also is one of the other candidates for Indy. They need a Honda team to make an extra car available for the 500. And we've been told that Honda has that 18th lease that, that's kind of being held back, right, uh, like a, for a special case. Seems like it. I don't think that would be the special case, right? No. It's got to be something huge and that's not it now don cusick says uh to nathan brown of the indy star it's a small possibility the team ends up in this year's field 
but he believes they have an inside track to reach full-time status in 2023. I mean, look, the, the budget is not the issue for them, right? They have the budget. They have the funding. It's a matter of getting a partnership with a team and, and making it happen because you'd want to wait to go all, go all in and buy a car due to the addition of the uh, hybrid unit for next year. I would love to know why teams are being this stingy because it seems like across the board and and I don't know if it's I don't know what it is. I don't know if they feel like you know, a little bit more protective of their equipment because they see an end game for these chassis and they're like, you know, we don't want to have to go out and buy a whole new tub, you know, when we're only going to use this for two more years or if it's something else, it just seems like it's a common theme across the paddock that a lot of teams are taking this approach, and I'm really not understanding why. I wish somebody could explain it to me. My guess would be they're not. They've already expanded, like you said earlier. They've already expanded their full time roster to the point where these one off entries don't add value or benefit because the teams are actually well funded. True. I mean, it's a good point because, you know, let's say you have two, you have four tubs, you have two cars and two spares, right? But if you expand to three cars and you only have one spare, then you need a little bit more protective of that. Or you have three cars and two spares. And if you loan one out, then you only have one spare left, right? So it's a numbers game. And yeah, I feel like maybe the best answer is look at the full-time field and that's your explanation on why these teams are not loaning out their extra equipment. And, and it could be as simple as, and I think Nathan Brown kind of theorized this in his article, that they're waiting to see how things go up until what, Texas? Because Texas is March 20th. Well, you get through Texas without a huge crash. Correct. Then maybe you entertain some things. But the problem is, is you know, it's two months away. I mean, right now we're three months away from Indy. And the entry list deadline is usually, what, April 1st or so? Well, they that's can always, fudge it. Th- that's always like, you know, I'm sorry, if they say the deadline is this and a car comes out and says we want to join, you know, two weeks later, they're going to let them. Yeah. I, I think, though, because a lot of these entries, the budget is not the issue. It's needing a car. Like, the engine lease, we know the Top Gun is able to get a car, they'll be a Chevy team, right? We know that Cusick Motorsports, if they're able to get a, a partnership with a team for a car, we know they'll be Honda. We know Preda Autosport will be Chevy, right? We know the affiliation with Vassar Sullivan. Right. We we would expect them to be Chevy, I, I would guess. Yeah, Ma- I would Maybe imagine. Honda. I, I don't know. That's one that feels a little bit up in the air on, on what they would do. It, Marshall says they'd be a Honda possibility, but we... we we understand the engine affiliation. That's not the issue. That seems to be something that was an issue in the past, but we know that, and we know, you know, Top Gun, obviously, they say they have something brewing for budget. Cusick, we know they're fully funded. Peretta, budget's not the issue there. It's all about getting a car. And I feel like, too, if we say 2025 is going to be a new chassis, the closer we get to that, the less willing new teams are going to be to buy a new chassis because they're going to say, well, we're just going to get one year out of this or two years out of this before we have to buy a brand new one. So I feel like we're entering maybe not this season, but I feel like next season you're going to see some prospective teams to join the series. They're like, we're going to wait until 2025 to jump in because we don't want to have to buy tubs and then two two years buy more type thing. So... Um, I feel like there's a lot of interested parties out there for the 500 to, to enter. There's just there's just not enough cars. Which is an issue we've not had in a while, right? I mean, this is this is different from years past. And I feel like it's a good problem to have when there's not a lot of chassis around because that means they're being used. And we can see that in the depth of field that we're going to have throughout the 2022 season. So that's a look at any 500 entries. Again, 32 Cars confirmed. Car and driver combos were at 31, but that 32nd likely J.R. Hildebrand in the number 11 car for Foyt. And the 33rd, potential 34th, potential 35th. And if we're really lucky, a 36th entry, we know that's the max we're going to get regardless 
all of those still up for grabs for the 106 running. The other bit of news in the past week, and not really news in the sense that we got word that, yes, Toyota is interested, but more news on how it was presented to us, right? This was not, I think, what we expected to read in regards to Toyota and their interest in IndyCar. Marshall Pruitt, we love him. Some of his technical articles, I I read very slowly to try to understand it. I can't. This article on Racer.com, I read very slowly because I wanted to soak every single piece of information in because it was filled with a lot of it. Yeah, so is Toyota interested? Yes, but also no. And I think <laughs> that's where, it, it, like you said, you had to read this carefully to soak everything in. So conversation that the marshall said he had with toyota racing development aka trd boss dave wilson uh ahead of the rolex 24 um they you know he mentioned roger penske and his ownership of indycar and the speedway mentioned winning indy 500 in 2003 with roger and, and gilda farron um but in terms of toyota we are certainly monitoring what's going on in indycar racing but right now we have no plans to go we have our hands full with our current engagements in motorsport so case closed right not so fast not so fast marshall says toyota's out and indycar stuck yet again with the same two manufacturers bearing a heavy and costly load end of story or is it so marshall did some some digging and you look at what it could be and basically the angle he has is yes toyota's interested but by a different name so he goes through a couple of different names and this, he starts off with Lexus. That seems to be a no-go because of their IMSA program and where they're at with that. And IMSA's launching a replacement GT3 model in 2024. So Lexus is out. Okay, which that's kind of what we thought if they didn't go with Toyota, that Lexus could be an option. So cross off Toyota, cross off Lexus. Well, okay. What's next? Toyota's all-electric RANS subsidiary. 100 of the 900 horsepower, roughly, is going to be as part of this hybrid unit for IndyCar. But, again, have you and I heard of this model? No. no. It, does it seem to fit their marketing because IndyCar is not fully electric? No. So cross them off. Then you keep going, and this is where I think it ties in pretty well. And, and he, he has a good comparison. So Toyota Gazoo Racing is the name, and you probably know that from... WEC, I mean, Fernando Alonso drove for Toyota Gazoo Racing a couple years ago in WEC, if I'm not mistaken, uh, won Le Mans. Um, think of that as, as Marshall puts it, BMW uses the M-Line, Dodge uses Mopar. You have Mercedes, what, AMG? Yeah. So I'm throwing that one out there. That's That's another one. So the GR brand, Gazoo Racing brand, and Marshall says in January, Tokyo Auto Salon Show had three GR branded cars on displays its featured content. And, and then you go even deeper, Gazoo Racing Master of the Nurburgring. That's a <laughs> sub brand within Gazoo Racing. So those are the two names I would think they go with Gazoo Racing because there's at least some familiarity with that. But Marshall sums it up like this Bottom line is that while we know, now know it won't be Toyota's name on the cam covers of the 2.4-liter twin-turbo V6s. Everything I continue to hear about the IndyCar engine project says it's moving forward with that 2024 entry date with one of its smaller auto divisions as the brand put forth to market and promote while taking on Chevy and Honda. After reading this, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? You it's have a, a lot high-performance brand. Yeah. It's a lot to take in, most definitely. And I think, you know, one thing that uh, that deserves to be mentioned, too, within uh, Marshall Pruitt's article is the fact that he's talking about the Toyota mothership leading this charge. And one reason why is because of Super, Super Formula and Alex Pillow, mm -hmm. because it sounds as if they would want this engine to be able to be switched out or used in both IndyCar and Super Formula with some, you know, minor changes and everything. But basically, be able to, you know, pick it out of one car and put it in the other. And maybe we're undervaluing the impact that Alex Pillow is making, not just in winning a championship, but also the sport in general. Because, you know, with, with him 
going from Super Formula to IndyCar and winning a championship, maybe that's an added incentive for Toyota to get back involved in IndyCar because they can see how they can develop talent across Super Formula and IndyCar and maybe have the same engine in both. And also to add to it, so Toyota, another reason, so they're obviously NASCAR, but then they also are an NHRA as well. So, I mean, the marketing effort, and Marshall touched on this, the marketing efforts in the U.S. with Toyota and NASCAR and the Cup Series, NHRA, I mean, it it doesn't really make sense, right, to add IndyCar because you've already saturated the market. I think there's at least enough smoke here that the quote saying that Toyota wasn't interested is not entirely accurate, right? Toyota is interested not just not as Toyota. And I think that is kind of the, the takeaway because we've heard Toyota for, for what, since last June, I believe? Yeah. I mean, it's it's been a while, and it's not gone away. But it also tells me that, you know, despite what we've heard from here, there, and, and everywhere, this deal is not done. I don't think it's imminent that it's going to be announced. Yeah, and, and Marshall kind of says that as much, um, whereas the Toyota sub-brand, he says formal confirmation should come before the end of the year. And the racing gods will bless IndyCar with a new brand to unleash momentous growth. So, again, we keep hearing on the rumor mill that Toyota is interested and that the announcement could come anytime. And while that would be great, it seems like something has stalled the talks just a bit. But that said, if they indeed wanted to join for 2024, you better start working on it soon. And maybe this is a thing where they've already started working on it, and that you know maybe goes to the testament of of hiring some some IndyCar people, which they've done, right? Yes. Tom German, who used to be with the Ray Hall team for many years, uh, was hired to be a part. Uh, it was hired by Toyota Racing Development to be a part of a, a motorsports job. And again, why do you make that hire unless you're working on something? Yeah, and and Marshall basically says that within this article that that's kind of one of the the giveaways and one of the hints that. Why would you do that if you're not interested? And I think that's that's where we're at now. Again, it doesn't seem like there's a timeline on when this would be announced. And it, like you said, it does not feel like a done deal. But this is the closest IndyCar has been since Lotus left in 2012. And to you know, to additionally basically make your head explode. The throwaway at the end is the fact that there may be another engine supplier looking to join in 2026, which just blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you want three before you expand to yes, four? Yes, but the fact that we're already teasing a fourth in this article is talking about a third just made, I mean, literally almost my head fell off my shoulders. It was crazy. <laughs> um, uh, any guesses on that? I mean, the fact that... It's coincidentally when Formula One's new engine formula debuts. Could it be an engine affiliated with Formula One? Uh, yeah, I think we're thinking on the same lines. I think it will have something to do with McLaren, whether they put forth their own engine brand, kind of like Red Bull nearly did before well, they got Honda back, right? Well, and what does McLaren run? What's their power um, unit? Is it Mercedes? Mercedes, yeah. So it could either be McLaren Mercedes, an IndyCar and F1, or does McLaren just do their own badge? And remember, like when you were, you mentioned, um, what was it, Ferrari, mm -hmm. when they were being thrown around, is one of the ideas was they were going to have their own power unit and all that, and that's just what they were going to run. Maybe a junior team here is going to be very Formula One esque. And, you know, maybe this. 2026 with Mercedes could be the same thing potentially. I mean, we're we're on part F of this, and we haven't even gotten part <laughs> A. We're just assuming a lot, but yeah, I, I think I think this is likely affiliated with McLaren in some way, and it could very well be to your point, Caleb, just a McLaren branded engine. So that I mean that to me that's the only team to keep an eye on the only thing to to even ask right uh, because nothing else seems to make sense. I mean 
let's get a third, I guess, before we get a fourth. But it's in the story, which makes you start wondering. Absolutely. Other bit of news for this week in IndyCar. We're talking about streaming. And no, IndyCar did not announce a Netflix series. Uh, MotoGP did, though. They have a series coming to Amazon Prime. Because, of course, but there's at least some traction, right, on IndyCar and streaming because we actually got an article. In fact, there are multiple articles, one on Racer.com, another on Motorsport.com, Penske Entertainment in talks uh, with uh, pitching to major streaming platforms, trying to harness off Netflix, drive to survive popularity and success here in the U.S., uh, Jeff Jenkins, this is from the Racer.com article, the producer behind Keeping Up with the Kardashians in its many spinoffs, Total Divas, a number of other reality shows that populate the E! channel. Of which you could very much explain to all of us what those all are. <laughs> I mean, Kardashians is one. I, I couldn't tell you what Total Divas is. I have is. no idea what Total Divas is either. But if that doesn't... It, that doesn't uh really um, kind of remind you of the IndyCar paddock, I don't know what does. To be fair, <laughs> this guy's probably the most prominent guy in reality TV and, and stuff like this. So Definitely. I'd say this is probably a good get for IndyCar. I mean, I think Total Divas was probably the backup title of Drive to Survive <laughs> is really what I'm thinking. One could say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, And this is the part I found interesting in, in Marshall's article. IndyCar drivers assisted with the capturing of video content in 2021 at the track and at home. An effort to give the series and JJP, which is Jeff Jenkins' production, enough material to cut into teaser rules, reels, which is, again, that's basically they they edit these together, right, and, and put together uh, kind of like a, a pilot, if you will, a, kind of a, a promo reel for yeah, to pitch to, to studios and, and platforms. The problem is it sounds a lot like Drive to Survive, and it's yeah. just... The hook isn't there because we've talked about this ad nauseum, Caleb, is you can't sell IndyCar like Formula One because they're not the same. No. And no. Formula One is, is cutthroat, and that's what makes the series so captivating, correct. right? IndyCar is not cutthroat. Right. However, you it's have to- It's downright friendly. Yeah, it's friendly. It's accessible. And those are the things you want to highlight, that like this is a close-knit paddock where- you know, the drivers are friends, and it's one big family, and you have to sell the accessibility part that fans can go to a race and get their favorite driver's autograph. I mean, well, and that's kind of the problem is when you have access, I mean, that's a positive entity car, right? You can get access to these drivers and walk amongst the garages and get autographs and be right there when they're pushing the cars by. There's no... There's not much element of mystery that is in Formula One, what happens behind closed doors, because IndyCar isn't like that. So you have to find another hook. You have to find drama, and you have to find intensity, and you have to find excitement. And I'm sorry, the majority of the IndyCar season doesn't supply that in enough to get the casual fan to watch. You you have to focus, I guess, on... The on-track drama, and, and even that, I mean, I feel like you'd have to manufacture a lot of it. It has to be made. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's the only time of the year where every the, the anxiety is at a fever pitch, is everybody's trying to make the race, and you have underdogs, and you have top teams that are in danger of missing. Like, that's, that's it. That's all of it. That's, you know, a season-long show where you follow around Alex Pillow for the weekend, and then you go home with him on a a week that that you're off and you explore the family that's that's drive to survive that's what that is you cannot be drive to survive light because that's what it is so you have to be different you know formula 1 they found their niche they found their hook for the casual fan indycar needs to find theirs and it's not the same thing as formula 1 and IndyCar's tried it in the past. That IndyCar 36 was almost, in a way, ahead of its time, right? I mean, this is before the popularity of streaming services 
Yeah, and it was very much like Drive to Survive yeah. a little bit. You followed a r- driver for the weekend and and all that, and you know it was a little bit. Yeah, I would I would agree it was ahead of its time. But after a while, it kind of got a little repetitive. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the problem. And, and then w- with this, so IndyCar's pitching their own thing, unrelated. Meyer Shank Racing and Preda Autosport, also known to be involved in similar docu style projects, in need of streaming partners that from racer.com and then David Malsher Lopez has an article on motorsport.com where he talks with Mark Miles um comparing MotoGP confirming MotoGP Unlimited on Amazon obviously Drive to Survive on Netflix and IndyCar trying to find something um Miles talked about different different opportunities you know not just an unscripted series like Drive to Survive but also something that's scripted with with episodes um then also mentioned an hour-long show about indycar um a one-off but not live coverage of a race special content and somehow tied in the oem hunt but the reality (laughs) is that it's a little bit like our oem hunt you can have really good conversations get to the ultimate meeting and it doesn't happen (laughs) well what what it tells me is is what they've done so far and we've heard talk about the fact that they had put together a pilot episode of this before, you know, a couple of years ago, and nobody wanted it. And the fact that they're doing it again last year, you know, it just tells me that there's it's not dramatic enough. You know, you're taking it to these streaming services and like, eh, it's not enticing enough. And you have to find the hook. And then I'm just going to keep coming back to May. I, I feel like that's what you sell. And... You know, I don't want people to say, well, you know, it's going to come out months after May. I mean, Drive to Survive Season 4 comes out in the next, what, month? They haven't said officially when it's coming uh, out. Yes, they actually have. They have March them? 11th, yeah, Season see, 4 will debut on Netflix. All of us who followed f- the season last year know exactly what's going to happen, yet all of us are still going to watch. So don't give me that, you know, don't give us a show from the 500 for the month of May because we know what happens. Because we're all watching Drive to Survive and we all know what happens. So if you make it entertaining enough, exciting enough, and dramatic enough, people will watch. And I feel like this is a roundabout way to to get more sponsors because, yeah, you want to sell to the casual fan and maybe they'll watch races, but you also can sell that time watched and you can say, hey, you know, X amount of minutes people are watching our show with your potential sponsorship in there. You know what I mean? It's very much like race viewing well i would think if they had anything to sell meyer shank racing if they had someone follow around with cameras follow elio around all last may i mean that is absolutely something you could sell right for sure speaking of streaming in indycar they do have streaming set for peacock for uh, saint pete weekend practice one on february 25th 2 50 p.m eastern practice two 9 a.m eastern qualifying 12 30 p.m eastern and final warm-up on race day 9 a.m eastern and tv coverage starting at noon eastern so we, we at least have a schedule for streaming but for peacock for next weekend well next weekend how's that yeah. sound sounds good right i mean yeah, it sounds really good a couple of notes i want to get to before we move forward um, big news for IndyCar and getting uh, race sponsors. So a couple of years ago, you were definitely harping on this about a lot of races not having title sponsors. Now it's not just races having title sponsors. It's getting presenting sponsors. And IndyCar landed some huge names earlier this week for the High V IndyCar weekend. Google, yes, Google, who apparently has an Iowa data center, um, Google is one of the presenting sponsors. Also, DoorDash, a presenting sponsor, and Pepsi, a, a key event sponsor as well, all for the Hy-Vee Iowa doubleheader. It's the Hy-Vee Salute to Farmers 300 presented by Google and the Hy-Vee Deals 250 presented by DoorDash. How about that? I mean, presenting sponsors, they're not paying as much as a title sponsor, but you throw Google, DoorDash, and PepsiCo in there, and what that does is it raises the bottom line, right? So you're not starting as deep in the hole as you would if you otherwise didn't have them. So it it hopefully helps that weekend get in the black quicker, and I think that's the key for the longevity for this event is not just, you know, 
breaking even but making some money and the more sponsors the better because you don't necessarily need a, a full house to, to finish in the black it would definitely help but you know sponsors are key just ask some of these races that never had them or are still struggling yeah, i'm looking well, at you portland richmond who was set to happen in the pandemic happened if they would have had a title sponsor i have a feeling that race could have either returned or even stayed on the schedule absolutely so right now we're sitting at what the uh just the grand prix of portland and the second road course race which had a title sponsor last year and i would presume would have another one this year right but i mean there's been times even just a couple years ago at this time where you still had five or six races without title sponsors so they've they've come a long way and they're getting new brands and as nathan brown of the indy star points out i mean it's not just title sponsors you've never heard of like for whatever reason i go back to 2011 new hampshire and move that block.com 300 or whatever it was <laughs> like i think it was like a presenting sponsor or title sponsor no the, the google doordash uh these are brands you've heard of and with that uh they'll have indie lights obviously indie car concerts that have not yet been announced high v will have um i i guess advertisements or in race they'll have qr codes that fans can scan to win a pair of twenty five thousand dollar giveaways one from each race broadcast i mean these are pretty big time things here and and google has um a data center in iowa and they said they've invested five billion dollars uh since they've uh moved there for that and i mean this is a big deal when you get big name sponsors i mean outside of verizon i mean what top consumer brands does indycar really have i agree i mean i i get that people say well chevy firestone Honda, they're known, yes. But yeah, I'm but talking, we're talking like, you know, corporate sponsors yeah. that are, you know, part of advertising. Um, you know, maybe too, and this is something, you know, IV and, and Iowa Speedway have been propping this up as though we're going to make this a, a big weekend and get some musical acts. Maybe the investment from these companies will allow them to land a couple big acts for that weekend, concert wise. Yeah, and, and other big sponsors, I guess, forgot to throw out Carvana, PNC Bank. DHL. That's the other names Nathan Brown mentioned. But I mean, those are. But they're not Google. That's not. Yeah, they're not. They're not Google. I mean, Verizon is. You could put Verizon on par with Google, right? But out outside of that, they don't and, really have any. I mean, anyone. It's Google and Amazon are the two. Yeah. Huge and Apple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but. Well, I mean, no matter how big or how small, the fact that they're getting sponsorships is good. And look. I don't think any of us can question the fact that Hy-Vee and and the organizers of the this weekend are trying their damnedest to make it as big as possible. And I hope people turn out. Yes, because I think they've done, you know, a solid job so far. Yes, we don't know the concert announcements, but we're still really far out from that. And I think they'll be able to land something big. I mean, they've landed uh, bigger presenting sponsors, I think, than we ever could have imagined. No doubt. I mean, we, we thought, like, maybe this was just a – a half-hearted grasp at trying to make this work, but they're getting some big names, at least in the sponsorship department. And if they can add some huge entertainment options or semi-huge, then it's all it's going to help the weekend. All right, so that's that's a look at some of the headlines this week in IndyCar. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for the email list so you never miss an episode. You can find us on social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCar Podcast. On Facebook, like us. Just search for New Track Record. You can also send us an email, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, Justin, they do have a fantasy IndyCar site up and running, right? They so do, yes. Send us your email address to the uh, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. Or message us on Twitter or something like that. Get us that email, and and then we'll send you the invite. We will uh, send you the details um, when we get the league created and going. We've had several names already, so, again, keep sending them our way. We'll get that to it. And you can always find us on your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, if you uh, follow us for free on there. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating if you could. If you're really nice, write a review. You can also follow us on Spotify overcast google podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts 
Okay, Justin, time for the mailbag. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, we don't really have that much to get to. I was wrong. We have plenty to get to. Excellent. In your comments, questions, and whatnot. Um, we start off with uh, Marshall's article on the third OEM and Jamin T14 uh, posting a GIF uh, saying, uh, I have hope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Poet Shevchenko saying lots of interesting points made there. This may be the ultimate case of fans getting what they want, but not what they expect. It's well said. Yeah. Very well said. Uh, continuing on, a, a lot of comments. Uh, congrats to Gavin Hibbs one. Uh, actually, correction. Wrong guy. He did not win. He had a good-looking <laughs> scheme, though. For our, So we were a sponsor of the uh, IndyCar Podcast 500 on the Elite Racing League Network last week. And I got to find the race winner here because I want to give him a shout-out after winning the race last weekend. And let's see if I can find it here. Here, here I was all prepared, and now I'm searching. Yeah, for I'm the, the unprepared one. I, I was. I'm hoping he, uh, he, he put a NTR sticker on something or flashed it in the uh, victory lane. Reach out to us because we will definitely find you. Okay, Nate, and I'm going to butcher this last name. Nate Seifker, he won the race. So congrats, congrats to, Nate. to him. Yep. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Uh, this, I just posed the question to our Road to Indy insider, Rob Howden. Exclusive Autosport, they announced three-car Indy Pro 2000 team, asking, well, what's the latest on their Indy Lights team? We're kind of awaiting that. And he said, no word at this time on them running Indy Lights. So that is, I guess, a bit of a concern. I would say so, considering um, aren't they at St. Pete next week? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, Correct. probably getting a bit too late, not just to, to not have any entries or not have any drivers, but no entries. I mean, there's they're not like we're committed to two entries. We just need drivers. Nothing. All right. Posted the question, favorite 2022 IndyCar livery so far as most of the cars have been revealed. And Poet Shevchenko tied between DeFrancesco's and Sato's liveries. DC Soda said, I'm still not over them completely running the Napa livery, so I can't comment on any others. Uh, yeah, that pink auto nation with Napa, yellow, and blue combo for Rossi, it's interesting. It's a lot going on there. Yeah. Uh, Nick J. Fletcher says, I wonder if Menard's pulled out because of DeFrancesco's livery. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Um, he said, can't have two cars visible from space on the track at once. <laughs> According to Stitch, said Felix Rosenquist. Uh, Chad PA15, Jack Harvey45 has a mean livery. I voted for Devin DeFrancesco. I think it's fun. It's flashy. Uh, Zach C8771, I have to be honest, the Napa livery was always my favorite, but I don't know about the pink and blue together. The PPG car is probably my front runner right now. Yeah, that's a classic look. Howard2112 says Devlin DeFrancesco's is pretty awesome. I look forward to seeing it in person. And Daguerre says Rosenquist. So a lot of votes. Favorite one for you so far, Justin? You know, very tough. Um, We've also had Renus VK. His livery is essentially the same from last year. Yeah. And then Connor Daly's Bitnile car also revealed. Yeah. I, I'm going to stick with probably, I don't know. I, I, I really like McLaren's cars. I, you know, that off blue, I just... Doesn't, it doesn't jive? It does not jive. It, seeing it in person, seeing it on track on TV, maybe it'll look different, but it's just throwing me off. I like the, I mean, the papaya, you can't go wrong. And then I like the, I like the blue accent. I mean, maybe not as much, because I think one car has more of it than the other. One has black accent, I think, and one has the blue. Um, so I would say the one that's just has the touch of blue. I like better, but um, I mean, Rosenquist has more blue, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm going Patos. I I Pato's would agree ride. at least between the two, but that's where I'm going. I'm going. I'm a, I'm a sucker for the classics. This tweet I posted at uh, whispers testing times don't matter. Poet Shevchenko said, "I don't know. Maybe it's time that preseason tests become double points events." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, R. Cole says, what are, you, what, are you going to tell me that the virtual pro challenge doesn't matter either? I Hashtag know. IndyCar in all caps. 
Daniel SEM 2004. They really don't. Some people, um, I'm confused. I think there might be a typo. Some people, full development mode. Others are in to get comfortable with the car mode. Still others are in validation mode. Really won't know what anyone has until practice one at St. Pete. Indy Nathan says, that's what they said when Herta dominated Coda testing in 2019. Point taken. True. That is true. Well, there's always stuff you can glean out of testing, but it's just you don't want to invest too much into it. Aaron J. Richmond says true, but Grosjean being number one is the least surprising thing. He's going to be a monster this year. Uh, so a, a lot of comments. I think there are a couple more here. Uh, we have Rob underscore McMahon, just the on target uh, emoji. Uh, Mama underscore G-Force but it sure is fun to speculate about. It, you know, I think we're the only people who don't really care to speculate about it, unless we're talking Jimmy Johnson testing times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I was tempted. I, I went to racer.com earlier this week, and, you know, ooh, testing at Sebring, and I about clicked on it, but no. I didn't. I stayed strong. I read the article with um, uh, Kevin Magnuson about, te- you know, I read yeah. that one. But no, I did. I did not click on either story about the testing. I stayed strong. Good job. Good work. Way to fight through. That said, Jimmy Johnson was not last. <laughs> that's the that's the only part I find interesting. And two of the three Foyt cars were last. Shocker. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, same old, same old. This from Jamin T14. Just as hopefully the unprecedented times of COVID are fading away, we now have an unprecedented season of indie lights. I used to never notice that word. Now it's everywhere. <laughs> Hashtag thanks for that. <laughs> no problem. Yep, that's what we're here for. Yep, absolutely. If you can take anything out of the global pandemic, it is the word unprecedented. Yep, and uh, apparently we're still in unprecedented times. But it seems like that's shifting, right? Well, we thought we were into precedented, and then it. it came back and yeah. we were back in unprecedented so give it some time definitely by may we should be fine fingers crossed yes uh this from nick j fletcher uh tough another one comes out and nothing on the horizon from indycar sorry indycar in all caps talking about the moto gp yeah get it right uh indycar uh this from poet shevchenko uh the lead buried in this reveals that this is the car originally designed for IndyCar. Look at those side pods clearly copied from Panos, that from the Ferrari design and looking at the side pods. Yeah, I I see it. I definitely see it. I I don't know. The, these F1 reveals uh, I'm not that excited about the look. I'd have to no, see it on track. No, I don't get it. I don't understand. It's, it's not working for me. And this from Vicky Lynn 26. Just wondering if you guys have been able to set up a fantasy league yet. Would love to join again. Thanks. Uh, so I don't think we've set it up, right? But yes, if it's you... set up. Oh, it is? Okay. Yes, it just needs email addresses. So okay. you didn't even your email send me addresses. an invite. Well, I didn't get that far because I was kind of clicking around and go, okay, they're going to give us a link this year, right? No, it's the same format <laughs> as last year. Please make it easy for us. Please. Yes. Uh, but that is a look at the mailbag on this week's episode. All right, time to get to news and notes, and we start. You mentioned Kevin Magnuson. We'll start with that. Kevin Magnuson testing for Chip Ganassi Racing at Sebring. Earlier this past week, it was basically so they could get an extra test time. Um, But I would not be surprised if Magnuson does more with Ganassi on the IndyCar side in the future. Not this year because he has that WEC Peugeot ride. But uh, 2023 maybe? I could see it. I agree. I feel we're going to be seeing some Kevin Magnuson in 2023, and I expect him in a full-time ride. Yes. Speaking of uh, drivers who we could see in the future, Kyle Larson on the Indy 500 says, too late for this year, only wants to do it with a chance to win the race. He says, I don't think that's something you can do in a few months. Right now is not the right time. But at least we we have discussion, right, and we have uh, what confirmation that he's interested well, I think not only that, but I think you start to get a little bit more excited when Jeff Gordon comes out and says that he would love for Hendrick Motorsports to branch out into other series. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean IndyCar. It could no. be sports cars. But 
there's an opportunity there when you look at the comments made by Jeff Gordon and the comments made by Kyle Larson and the fact that Kyle Larson runs for Hendrick Motorsports, that would Hendrick Motorsports venture into IndyCar for the long for the for the long term to be an entity that competes in that series, but maybe in the short term to be that team that Kyle Larson would race for in Indi- in the Indianapolis 500. I feel like Hendrick Motorsports is one of those teams that instead of loaning Kyle Larson out to an IndyCar team, it would much rather handle it in house, and it wouldn't just jump into the Indianapolis 500 to do that race along with Kyle Larson. They would want to lay the groundwork before they bring Kyle Larson on board. Maybe I'm looking way too much into some simple comments from Jeff Gordon, but that's what I got. One final thing I I forgot to get to on the mailbag. This is from Daniel SEM 2004. Justin is a sheep. Won't follow sports car (laughs) racing unless others are following sports car racing. Also, sports cars have more in common with IndyCar than NASCAR. Prior to the next-gen car, there was almost nothing in common with an LMP GT car other than both have roof and fenders. <laughs> you know, I don't follow the trends. I, I watch IndyCar. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, that's um, true. No, I, I don't think it's, it's oh, because nobody else is paying attention. It's just tough to get invested in events that not many people are there. Uh, would the Super Bowl be more exciting? Or I mean, even take last year's NFL season. You can't tell me there was something missing from those games when they were being played with no fans. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't know. Racing gets different. Like, yes, you need fans because <laughs> tracks need fans, right? But, <laughs> right. I mean, you could hold the race and you could tune out the fact that there weren't fans in attendance most of the time. And I get it. Endurance races are different. I understand. It's just it's tough because and it's at a place, too, at Daytona that you're used to a crap ton of people being in the stands. And then there wasn't. So uh, it, it's the same thing when we watch races that aren't the Indianapolis 500 at the Speedway. Is It's just missing something, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. all I'm saying. <laughs> Does not have the mystique or the alert. Um, Indy Lights News, Linus Lundquist joins HMD Motorsports for the 2022 season. Instantly, I would say he's the title favorite for Indy Lights this upcoming season. Also, Ryan hunter Ray will replace Scott Dixon with Chip Ganassi Racing for the 12 hours of Sebring next month. We'll team up people with... are still complaining about that being the same day as Texas? Well, all the IndyCar guys are out of it now. <laughs> They, they did not work together with IMSA, and all the IndyCar guys will not be participating in uh, the 12 hours of Sebring. RHR will team up with Sebastian Bourdais and Ringer Vanderzan. I, I mean, talk about a super team there for sports uh, yeah. car racing. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know that Marshall Pruitt has mentioned it, and even, um, you know, Michael Shank mentioned it with us last week, is, look, I understand the frustrations, okay? But... NBC came to IndyCar and say, look, we can put you on network at Texas, okay? Remember the days of just a couple years ago where we would give anything for any additional races on NBC or ABC, right? So the days just a couple years ago in 2019. Yeah, so how soon we forget, right? And and I understand it's not ideal, and it, it's really a, a bigger problem than even I understand for teams. I, I, like, I get it. But at the same time, network race, you gobble those up at every single opportunity. Because if you tell NBC no, then what makes NBC then want to come back the next time they have an opening for a network race? Um, the next time you're put on Peacock instead, yeah, right? right? So, you know, I get I get the frustrations, but I think IndyCar was in a no-win situation. And first and foremost, they have to look out for their brand. And if they can get a network race, one additional one, then for sponsors and everybody, that means a lot. And I don't blame IndyCar. I know other people do, especially team owners that are in both series and drivers, but I don't blame IndyCar in the least. you, you got to look out for your for business interests, right? Ain't nobody else looking out for you. you got to no. look out for yourself. Sports stars don't care if you're not on on NBC, one less race. NASCAR sure don't care. You know, so you got to take care of yourself. 
few other items and news and notes we'll rattle through here quickly. Ruoff Mortgage back for the second season, presenting the fastest seat in sports. Mario Andretti will still be leading the field uh, to green. Join IndyCar Nation for your chance to win a ride. Uh, go to IndyCar.com for details on that. Also, the Snake Pit lineup for the Indy 500 has been announced. Justin, I, I'm curious if you recognize any of these names. I saw the lineup. Go through it. Okay, Martin Garrix. No. Okay, I've, I've heard of him. Okay. I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. Is it Deadmau? I have no idea. Sure. I've heard of him. Really? Steve Aoki, I've also heard of him. Galantis, not heard of them. And then Yellow Claw, not heard of them. So no, I've heard, I've of, heard of three of the five. I've heard of White Claws, but not Yellow Claw. <laughs> um, no, I don't know who any of those people are, but it sounded like a big deal when it came out. I saw a couple yes. tweets that were like, you know, this is the best lineup that the Snake Pit has had in its current iteration. And cool. It's not my cup of tea, but it sounds awesome for the people that it is. You know, pretty much kind of like the Super Bowl halftime show last week. I mean, you and I were into it. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. know Loved older it. demographics were not, but hey, <laughs> um, I'm I'm in a I'm a big enough person in a situation to say while it's not for me, it is for other people, and I can appreciate that. Yes, and I would say this lineup has a lot of depth, and I think that's what makes it so good. I, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this kind of music at all because I am not. This is out of my realm, but the fact that I've heard of three of the five names. Or usually most years, I feel lucky if I recognize more than one. I think that's saying something. Yeah. So it's awesome. It gets people to the race that otherwise wouldn't, you know, similar to what we saw with the Clash. How many of those people that went to that race had ever been to a NASCAR race? The majority of them hadn't. So if it gets people in to the Indianapolis 500, I, I couldn't care less if they care one iota about the race going on. But if they're in there, they're paying to get in. And they're having fun. That's all that matters. Speaking of some uh, preeminent uh, events in motorsports in the U.S., GameBridge will now be a founding partner of the F1 Miami uh, race, title sponsor of the start-finish line area club and suites. There's like a, a man-made beach with pools. and I mean, it's wild what they're doing. That from Adam Stern. Also from Sports Business Journal, Nissan Stadium renovation talks between Mayor John Cooper's administration and the Titans have expanded in recent weeks to include the possibility of building a new stadium. Uh, that's noteworthy because the Nashville race, well, is kind of tied to Nissan Stadium. <laughs> Did it say anything? Would it be on the same property or would it be elsewhere? Um, there were no further details with this. They're just exploring a new stadium. So, I mean, this is clearly years away from right. happening. I mean, this I isn't mean, that Five old years of a, away. Yeah, this isn't that old of a stadium. It was built in the late 90s. So... Um, yeah, this isn't imminent or anything. Let's uh, you know. Hopefully, we're talking about year five of the Nashville Grand Prix. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of street circuits, Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach construction has begun. It's coming up in mid-April. Scott McLaughlin planning to return to Bathurst, which again he couldn't go last year, obviously just due to the pandemic. And also, I teased the other week about. The Allen Sir Jr. Checkered Past uh, book signing tour. We have details on this. You can go to octanepress.com. But February 19th, so coming up this weekend from noon to 2 Eastern, there'll be an Evansville at Victory Theater. Allen Sir Jr. will be present signing books. You can also purchase books on site. March 5th from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern, they'll be at Brick House on Main in Martinsville, Indiana. Al Jr. also on site for that. Books can be purchased March 10th, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Viewpoint Books in Columbus, Indiana. Alan Sir Jr. and Jade Gers uh, will be present signing books. You can also purchase books March 11th. We'll be at the Meeting House in the Village of West Clay in Carmel, 7 to 8.30 p.m. Both Al Jr. and Jade Gers on site for that. And then March 12th from 1 to 3 p.m. Morgan Stern's Books in Bloomington, Indiana. Allen's or Junior Jaggers on site for that as well. And again, we've <laughs> trying to contact a winner for our, our giveaway. Still no book. luck. Uh, yeah, so I've reached out to multiple people. Uh, check your email, folks. Yeah, come on, get it together. I, I don't understand. So and I reached out to a third, email, uh, third person. Still nothing. And uh, we'll see if we hear back. But 
yeah, you could be a winner of a, a copy of a checkered past. So check yeah. your email from us and uh, get it together, you might, people. You might be a winner. All right. With that, one other note I want to get to before we get to our uh, tweet of the week and our random split error driver of the week. This from Trackside Online. Since World War II, the winner of the first IndyCar race of the season has gone on to claim the title 28 times. Includes Joseph Newgarden, Scott Dixon, and Alex Pillow the last three seasons. I thought that was interesting. Very. Which, who, who would have thought that that was so important, right? But that's where we're at. Well, who's to, because we're also the people that stay, don't start talking about the championship <laughs> until right? after Indy. Yet, there's a stat that says maybe we should pay attention. And then sad news, this uh, from USAC Nation, USAC Racing Twitter account. Kevin Olson, you probably recognize the name. Race car driver, personality. He had two USAC National Midget titles in 1982 and 1987. Also part of the IMS Radio Network. Uh, died following a car accident fri- uh, last Friday night in Wisconsin. He was 70 years old. Yikes. I, I remember him from the, the radio network. I don't yeah. remember him from his racing days, but uh, a sad loss for the IndyCar community. Most definitely. All right, Justin. We have one tweet of the week, and then we'll get to your random split error driver of the week. And this courtesy of Tony DeZeno. Toyota commercial about doing the impossible, a.k.a. committing to an IndyCar engine. So, you know, you sent this to me, and I think it was in the car, and it was over the weekend, because it was during the Super Bowl. Correct. I was driving home from a long weekend in Chicago for work, and I was like, is it real? Is it tongue-in-cheek? And you had to, you know, break it down for the simpleton that I am, that it was very tongue-in-cheek. But, uh, you know, rumors continue to swirl with with Toyota, and, you know, that that story by Marshall Pruitt, I don't think, did anything. And it gave us a lot of clarity, but also muddled things up as well. Yes, it, but it makes sense why Toyota's denying everything, at least yes. if this theory is correct. Correct. All right, with that, your random split era driver of the week. All right, so we're going to the Indy Racing League, and we're going to the late 90s because that's the fertile ground that we have. And I'm going to throw a name out at you, and it's John Hollinsworth Jr. Who? John Hollinsworth Jr., a former driver in the Indy Racing League, he raced three seasons, actually, in IndyCar. Now, two of those seasons, he just did one one race. But in the 1999 season, raced for Team Extreme. And I remember you have a T-shirt for Team Extreme. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 12 career starts over three years, two years with Team Extreme. 2001, he was with Blueprint Racing for a single race, I think at Homestead. Yeah. Is where it was. Um he raced in the 1999 Indianapolis 500 and finished 13th. It's actually pretty good. He did not lead a lap in any IRL race. That's notable in his little bio at Wikipedia. He, he did not. Yeah, his best career finish was at 1999 Pikes Peak Raceway, um, where he had a podium finish, supposedly, but I don't see it. Well, so it's weird. On his page, Texas 2, he was fifth. Yeah, Texas 2, he was fifth. Uh I don't see Pikes Peak Raceway on there. He was like 16th. Yeah, 16th so and both. Might might this be is an fake error. News. <laughs> it might be an error there. They raced two two races that year at Pikes Peak. Uh, no, they two, did. Two, really? Yeah, wow, they really did. You're not. You're not. Um, that's not wow. tomfoolery. That is June 27th and August 29th. You okay. had the the uh, Radisson 200. So is that like Radisson hotels? Yeah, Radisson hotels. And then the. Colorado Indy 200. Why Why did they race twice at Pikes Peak in Because they couldn't race three times. I mean, they, they raced twice at Texas, you know, for many years. Right. They raced at Vegas. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe Dover, was... Atlanta Motor Speedway, obviously the Indy 500, Charlotte, They couldn't Phoenix. race twice at Walt Disney World. Yeah, they started the season at Walt Disney World, so... Wow. But, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at I, – I don't see Pikes Peak. He he finished 16th at both races, and I went through the, the, the race reviews there, too, really quick. But, um, yeah, never led a lap in an IRL race. Uh, was was fifth in Texas, too, and 13th at Indy, which isn't too shabby. But uh, that's pretty much it in terms of information on John Hollinsworth Jr. I don't have much, and by not much I mean anything post – 
Indy Racing League on him. Here's but, so here's some more detail from his from driver database. What do we got? So he's fifty eight years old, hometown of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. In ninety six he was first in the SCCA national championship runoffs spec racer. Um, uh, spec racing psh. It, this says he won a pole position. Well, not at a podium, but clearly in that it must have been in that series. Well, he raced in Indy Lights. It looks like that must have been in '96. So he did two races, had a win, and a podium, and pole position, a fastest race lap. That well, that would have that been was the SCCA. SCCA. Yeah, '97. Yeah, so he did three races in Formula Ford 2000. Okay, so what he was doing, um, and then 1999. 10 races, 2001 race, and 2001 one race. So and that's all that's we got. Pretty much it. John Hollinsworth Jr. Uh, but, man, I mean, to finish 13th at the Indianapolis 500, I know it was a was a 99. That was, what, Kenny Breck won 99? Yes. Um, After Robbie Gordon ran out of fuel, right? That's right. That's true. So, um, look, you go through... Uh, man, I'm just looking at this 1999 lineup, and I got another three months worth of random split era drivers <laughs> of the week. Tell you that, but at the least... fact that I had heard of the team but not the driver says a lot. <laughs> I've heard of Team Extreme. Yes. Um, so yeah, back to back years with Team Extreme, and then Blueprint Racing, one and done in 2001. Uh, so that is this week's random split era driver of the week, Mr. John Hollinsworth Jr. And with that. We wrap up this week's episode. Next week, it's finally race week, and NECAR races at the streets of St. Petersburg, Florida, and we'll have all our preseason predictions to run through next week when you join us on the next edition of New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.